And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. It is Tuesday, January 12, 2021. And folks, the hyenas are circling. That's right, the hyenas <laughs> are cackling. You hear them. And foaming at the mouth. In this case, we're talking about Democrats on Capitol Hill who are ready to impeach President Trump. They're like a pack of hyenas. But first order of business is a vote tonight where, where they will pass a resolution calling for Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and have President Trump removed from office. Hey, by the way, newsflash, it ain't happening. Uh, my source is telling me Pence is not going to do that, so keep dreaming. Uh, of course, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi knows this, and so tomorrow she and her impeaching friendly Democrat colleagues will once again vote to impeach the president. What in the world's going on here? The Democrats are now treating impeachment like naming a post office. Just all in a day's work over there in the House. As for the president, he's speaking out today once again against the violence that happened January 6th and on this latest attempt to impeach him. Uh, as far as this is concerned, we want no violence, never violence. We want absolutely no violence. And on the impeachment, it's really a continuation of the greatest witch hunt in the history of politics. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. This impeachment is causing tremendous anger. And you're doing it, and it's really a terrible thing that they're doing. For Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to continue on this path, I think it's causing tremendous danger to our country, and it's causing tremendous anger. I want no violence. Thank you very much. I want no violence. I want no violence is what he says. We should point out that he made those remarks at the White House before he left for Texas on a trip to the border wall. When he spoke to reporters down in Texas, he said his remarks in the hours after the riot were, quote, totally appropriate. So he's definitely not backing down. And let's be honest, did we really expect him to back down? Let's bring in Jordan Secular now uh, with the American Center for Law and Justice and one of the president's attorneys. Jordan, appreciate you coming back on the show. Thanks, David. So uh, what can you tell us about this upcoming impeachment vote? And uh, will there even be a trial at this point? So the vote, I mean, I think it's, it's a done deal that they're going to have this vote Wednesday. I think the, the only question about tomorrow is how many Republicans join. That will be what's different from the last time around. Uh, that One of the main things that will be different is that this won't be probably a completely partisan impeachment. I think a lot of that will have to do, what I'm hearing is that we're uh, from our government affairs team at the ACLJ is that anywhere between 20 to 25 House Republicans could be joining in this effort to impeach on this article, even though there will be no hearings in the House Judiciary Committee on speech and the First Amendment and whether or not this was incitement to violence and whether or not this was incitement to, uh, again, to, to cause this violence. And that's a very difficult legal standard in court. But of course, impeachment is not the same kind of legal standards as courts. So, but they're not even having that. They're, they're just going right to the vote. And, uh, and so we all know they've got the votes. And the big question for me is how many Republicans will join? And then what happens next? Because in the U.S. Senate, uh, we're not going to see Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer agree to an emergency session. So this trial will not begin until after the president has left office. And there's a real constitutional question about whether or not the U.S. Senate has the power to, tr to impeach, uh, to try an impeachment. Uh, which is their power under the Constitution, but of an officer or a president in this case that is no longer in office. And uh, and do they have any jurisdiction there? The big question, though, is the second big question is, will courts get involved in that question? 
and uh, and that will remain to be seen. So as you see, I think the president was right. This causes more divisiveness, causes more legal battles, and it keeps him right in the forefront of the news. Yeah, so Jordan, just so I understand, I mean, the, the, the average American is going to think, what in the world, how can Democrats convict or potentially convict? I don't think they're going to convict him, but how could they even have a trial uh, when he's no longer president? That, that doesn't seem to make any sense to people. Yeah, I mean, there's a legal argument on the other side. And now this has never been adjudicated. There's not a court case to point to. So, and there might not ever be. This may just be up to the Senate. But there's an argument. It goes back to something that John Adams said. And he said, you know, I can always be held uh, liable by my colleagues for my term in public office, uh, including when I was president. He's, he made that comment. And they, they point to the fact that you should not be able to run out the clock and then escape impeachment because there wasn't enough time if you committed acts that were impeachable, um, impeachable offenses later in term, and there just wasn't enough time because of the benefits that come attached to being an ex-president, uh, which is uh, the the stipend, uh, a travel budget, Secret Service protection. And now what we're not talking about, of course, though, when you've only served one term, is the ability to uh, run for office again. You can be disqualified under impeachment for, for seeking from seeking federal office again. And Nancy Pelosi has said that's one of her driving factors. The problem is here, David, I think this is horrendous for the country, regardless of what side you're on. I think Joe Manchin is absolutely right when he said this is ill-advised because I can't figure out how Democrats think they're going to get 17 Republicans. I could see five, six, seven, eight, but 17 Republicans to join them in the U.S. Senate to convict. So you won't get a conviction. He'll be acquitted again. And uh, you keep this focus, you keep this division in the country. This is not a good thing for the country, regardless of what, what you believe. Um, if you believe the president, that his remarks were totally fine, or if you believe uh, the, 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 those supporting impeachment that believe that he incited violence and yeah. uh, insurrection. Uh, Jordan, uh, I want to play you Alan Dershowitz. He was on the program yesterday. He, we asked him about what he thought uh, of the um, of impeachment. But before we get to that, uh, I, I wanted to just double check something with what you said. I shouldn't say double check. You said 20 to 25 Republicans is what you're hearing that could vote uh, for impeachment. Uh, that that that's a pretty strong re rebuke. Uh, coming from the it Republican is. Party. I mean, uh, Kevin McCarthy's got to be figuring out what in the world he can do over there. Well, it's interesting. Our report uh, from our government affairs team, and this is the ACLJ's government affairs team in D.C., is that they're not whipping this vote on the Republican side. Mm -hmm. So uh, right now they're somewhere around 20. That could rapidly decre decrease or increase based off two people, Nancy Pelosi and President Trump. Whatever he says and does in the next 24 hours, whatever she says and does in the next 24 hours, I think she's going to try to push Republicans away. I don't think she wants a bipartisan impeachment, actually, because that hurts the political uh, point of why they're even doing this, which is to try to say, see, Republicans wouldn't even support this when he incited violence and attack on, on a Capitol, even when it was an attack on them. Jordan, I want to play that Alan Dershowitz soundbite. And, and when we play this, this is the way I want to set it up, because we were talking about impeachment and how Trump supporters are now going to be ostracized and deplatformed and all of this. And, uh, you know, the blacklisting, if you will, has begun. I want you to hear what he says about McCarthyism as it relates to this. Sure. Are you suggesting as it relates to what's happening on social media and what's happening to the president on Twitter and a lot of other things about Cruz and Hawley, are you suggesting McCarthyism is alive and well again? It's not only alive and well, it's better than ever. It's stronger than ever. Because when I was a young man, we fought McCarthyism. It, there were two sides to the issue. 
President Eisenhower stood up against it. The dean of the Harvard Law School stood up against it. Today, nobody is standing up against this form of McCarthyism because they're afraid. If you look, I'm a liberal Democrat. I don't support all of President Trump's policies. I support some and not others, as I do with any president. But I am now tagged as somebody who is pro-Trump and therefore I can't uh, do this or that. I'm being canceled. Jordan, the danger in America, freedom of speech under direct attack. It is. And, it, and it, to, to happen to people like Professor Dershowitz, uh, who, again, admittedly, they are people who, who are just arguing on principle. Uh, politically would not even be with the president. You know, he joined our impeachment team the first time around uh, with the same argument saying that, you know, if this, I was against this when you you took this action against Bill Clinton and I'm against this when you're taking this action against Donald Trump. But see, that's not enough anymore for the cancel crowd. And, uh, and, you know, it's one thing if if you're a conservative and you've been a conservative to kind of go through the the battles. But what we're seeing now is, is having to worry about our ability to get our message out being taken away. In platforms, by the way, not just on places like Parler, which were new, but in platforms like in Facebook and Twitter, which organizations like the ACLJ, sure, just the news, the where we're talking to right now, I mean, that we invest in with advertising, with, with, with funds, and, and they financially benefit from groups like us. But yet we have seen their willingness to, um, if you will, deplatform, uh, take us, silence some of us. Or and uh, and then deplatform any kind of competitors, which is which to me, it, it's the whole purpose of that law that they love, of Section 230, which gives them that uh, that ability to kind of not be liable for what gets posted, but yet it also um, they don't get treated like news outlets, and yet they are they are using deplatforming to stop competitors like Parler. And saying, well, because they're not monitoring enough. Now, yeah. they're new. They don't have as much money. It takes them more time to build up so that they can monitor content and get down content that is illegal, that is that shouldn't be up there. But they all have that Section 230 protection they love, except for when it applies to a competitor. So I think this is a, is a bigger battle than just conservative and liberal. It is, it is uh, like uh, Professor Dershowitz said, speech versus the cancel culture. And our First Amendment versus the cancel culture. Yeah, and Jordan, I've got about 30 seconds left. What kind of, uh, what kind of impact are you seeing of either on Twitter or Facebook or any of these platforms? Has, has that hit you guys yet? Um, it hasn't hit. It hasn't hit. I definitely lost followers on Twitter like everybody did. You know, I had a significant amount of followers. I think it probably, you know, like 15 or 20,000 overnight, you know, just disappeared. We were starting to utilize Parler a lot more. And of course, uh, that is uh, that is not usable at the moment because they got the platform. Uh, and uh, are we more? I wouldn't say that we're cautious, and we we tell the truth on our broadcasts and our, right. and, our and what we do at the ACLJ. But it's terms we know they're looking for. And as attorneys, we want to make sure also that we're able to get our message out so that we're able to help people yep. in need. So they're looking for like these certain terms and words, and that's who they're canceling. That's who they're shutting down. We had to handle this yeah. for people in the past, David. It's getting harder now. All right. Jordan Seculo, great to have you back on the show. Great insight as always. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, David. All right. Jordan Seculo uh, becoming a weekly guest, which we like, by the way. We love. We don't like it. We love it. Nathan Gonzalez, the editor of Inside Elections, when we come back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, boy, the, the, the future of the Republican Party, what is going to happen, <laughs> wait for it, in the future? Because I just said that. I'm very redundant. Uh, let's bring in Nathan Gonzalez, the editor of Inside Elections. Uh, Nathan, uh, we've known each other a while. Great to see you, sir. Thank you for having me on. Hey, so uh, let's start with that question. The Republicans have a lot to sift through here in this uh, post uh, age of Trump coming up, at least, uh, if we can all get through it. What what are some of your big main uh, storylines going forward as to what we should look for here? Well, I think before we talk about the Republican Party of the future, we have to look at what the Republican Party is right now. Mm. You know, I know on Wednesday at the rally uh, before uh, the march to the Capitol, um, Donald Trump Jr. was declaring, you know, this isn't, you know, you're the old Republican Party. This is Donald Trump's Republican Party. And and Eric Trump on Fox News was talking about, you know, anger, uh, how how his the family controls the party. And he was going to primary anyone who, who kind of went against the president. And I will agree that this is President Trump's Republican Party right now. He is the most popular uh, Republican among Republican voters. And I think that is an important dynamic when we look at this, because all of these senators or members of the House on Capitol Hill, I think they understand that dynamic, that he is more popular than they are with their own voters. And so what does it look like for the future? To me, that is a much a much bigger question. And I think part of it has to do with what is the relevance of President Trump in the next two and four years? You know, it's easy to say that uh, if, if we had a set of primaries uh, today or in the next week, uh, that he would exert this influence and cause voters to, uh, there to be a backlash against these Republican elected officials. But we're two years from the next set of elections. We're four years from the next presidential race. And I am not convinced that the president's coalition is transferable to another candidate. You know, the president has built a coalition, I think, that is around him. And when other people try to take it over or replicate it, I don't think it has shown that it that that works. I think you're absolutely right, Nathan. Uh, I think it is going to be interesting to see how much of that coalition uh, holds together in primarying some of these Republican senators and congressmen. What's your take there? Well, one of the things is it's I think it's it takes more than a a tweet or more than a, uh, you know, a rally to defeat an incumbent. I mean, just looking, I've been following elections for 20 years now. It is tough to be an incumbent member of Congress. You have to have a lot of things go right. And I think that uh, the Trump family or President Trump is going to have to uh, prove that they have a not just a platform, but a kind of a viable campaign operation that they can target, you know, specific voters in districts and states. Um, I'm wondering if the president has the attention span for for some of this, you know, whether he is going to actually I know he holds a, a grudge. He tends to hold grudges against people who don't do what he wants or, or he thinks has come that they have come after him. But does he have the attention span to really devote to knocking these members of Congress? And you have to have challengers. You have to have credible individuals who probably have their own weaknesses uh, there's just a lot that has to go right. So I'm, I'm not ruling out the possibility that he is going to exert force or try to exert force on the Republican Party. I just think we have 
Um, there's a long way to go. We, you know, I can't even confidently say I know what's going to happen next week. Mm-hmm. And that is going to, I think, impact both his relevance, uh, his legacy, and his influence over over the Republican Party. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, everybody's talking about is he going to run in 2024. I mean, he's got to get through his presidency, uh, first of all. Uh, uh, th- though you have to, I mean, I think... Uh, Everybody can pretty much agree that the, the way this is ending uh, has no doubt tarnished uh, any sort of legacy that he'll leave behind. Uh, do, you, can, do you think he can recover from something like this in politics? I mean, it is Donald Trump after all. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've ruled out ruling things out. That's something I've been saying <laughs> for, for four years now. Um, I just think it's, it's going to change. Um, let, let me put it this way. Um, the president, I think, has... He sort of ruled over the Republican Party in part by fear. And what I mean is that fear, these Republican officials have been fearful of not only what he might do or say or tweet about them, uh, but also fear of a backlash from voters, again, who like him more than they like them. Mm-hmm. Now it's become a little bit different just since Wednesday. There is a fear of physical, <laughs> um, of, of something physical happening if they oppose the president. Um, There's a freshman congressman, a Republican congressman named Peter Meyer, who was just elected in Michigan in November. And he talked about on Wednesday uh, with the votes about objecting that he had an unnamed colleague who uh, didn't agree that the, didn't think the election was stolen, but they were fearful for what might happen to their family if they oppose the president. And that is a new dynamic that really wasn't present you know, just a few days ago. So I, uh, I guess I start as skeptical that the president will be able to maintain a, a level of re- uh, relevance and power without having an office. You know, for two years and for four years. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm I am open-minded about possibilities at this point. Nathan, you've been, uh, and I say this with all due respect, you've been doing this a long time. Uh, and I, <laughs> just I, I'm, I'm old, David. <laughs> well, you see, I knew you were going to take it that way. Uh, but look, Senators Josh Hawley and uh, Ted Cruz, um, obviously they're, they're under the microscope. They're in the line of fire, uh, so to speak. Maybe I shouldn't use that term, actually. Uh, but the point simply is, where, where, what about their future? Uh, what's your sense? You, you, like I said, you've been in this a while. So do you think there's something they can ride out, or is this going to have... Uh, some some major repercussions in the future. Well, first of all, we have to remember that they're they're not facing voters anytime soon. They're not up for re-election in 2022. Um, it's actually 2024, uh, at least that Cruz. I need to check on how, but they're they're not under immediately going to be facing voters. Uh, and so, whether they're running for re-election or they're going to run for president in 2024, we're still a ways out from that. And I think a large But the big factor is, again, what is how are the events, not just the Trump presidency, but how are the events of last week? What happens during inauguration? And and hopefully there isn't other instances of of violence and chaos. But how do um, how do those events, what do they look like in retrospect? Right. Uh, And I think that these events that we're living through right now, when we get to two years, are going to be looked through looked at through a much different prism than what we're seeing right now. And, and I, I don't, you know, I think that they believe they have taken this principled stand that will stand the, the test of time. It could go very much the other way. Sure. We just don't know. Nathan Gonzalez with uh, Inside Elections. Really appreciate your insight. Always great to see you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you again. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, Nathan Gonzalez, by the way, he comes complete. My understanding is, Madison, you correct me if I'm wrong, but that Skype shot, I believe, goes with Nathan. It's a traveling Skype shot I, I, because that kitchen 
very impressive, uh, the chairs and everything. All right, when we come back, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, what's their approval ratings like? <laughs> back in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, listen, uh, hey, she's not that popular. Uh, did you know that? Uh, Mitch McConnell, oh, this just in. He's not that popular either. Uh, and we've got the evidence to prove it. Uh, let's bring in Daniel Payne, uh, justthenews.com, uh, senior reporter there. Uh, Daniel, always great to have you back on the show, sir. Dave, good to be here. Always a pleasure. Yeah, hey, so take us through some of these numbers. Uh, let's put them up, actually. We can go through them together because I'd like more airtime. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it says, uh, this was the, a Just the News poll. It says, please let me know if you have a favorable opinion of the following individuals. And why don't you take it from here? Because it does look like McConnell and Pelosi are not faring too well. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that stands out from this poll is that uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, who until recently uh, was the Senate Majority Leader and Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, both have uh, significantly high unfavorability ratings by, by wide margins. And, you know, a, a, after, after four years of really contentious politics uh, and, you know, bitter back and forth divide uh, in the, uh, you know, in the Trump era and Capitol Hill, what that seems to show is that a ton of voters uh, really have very low opinions on the ability of these people to lead uh, their respective parties. Uh, you're, you're just not seeing the kind of confidence that you, you might expect in one side or the other, uh, depending on your politics, uh, after, after all this time of uh, you know, infighting and you know, uh, uh, you know, very, very bitter debates on Capitol Hill. So it just seems to show a, a sort of nationwide dissatisfaction with the most prominent leaders of both parties. You know, the Nancy Pelosi number doesn't necessarily shock me. The, the, the Mitch McConnell number is kind of interesting because, at least from a Republican standpoint, from a conservative standpoint, I mean, he's been on pretty much on the Trump train the whole time. As a matter of fact, when it comes to judges, or when it comes to fighting at the Supreme Court, kind of the Brett Kavanaugh situation, I mean, he was kind of... Uh, a lot of Republicans were willing to give him a pass and, and because he did so well on judges. But uh, here at the end, it just has unraveled for him. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think that it shows that that people are just in general angry at politicians. You know, uh, mm -hmm. Americans tend to really like their representatives and their senators. Um, but when it comes to these folks that are at the forefront, that they probably see embodying um, uh, what they view as the defects of the major parties, uh, they're just going to bear the brunt of a lot of that negative opinion. And of course, this poll uh, was conducted after the riot last week at the Capitol. So that uh, very likely contributed to negative perceptions for both politicians one way or the other. Yeah, and it makes me wonder what those Cruz and Hawley numbers are going to look like uh, go going forward. Uh, what, what is your sense about uh, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and, and, and some of the damage that uh, has been done to some of their credibility? As, as we talked to Nathan Gonzalez earlier in the show from Inside uh, Elections, he said, obviously, they're not up in 2022, uh, but there's been this clamoring on Capitol Hill to, you know, have them take the fall for what happened on January 6th. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that they have some cushion years in between their next election is, is probably going to play in their favor, because if, if they were up for election tomorrow, they almost certainly would uh, go down pretty hard based upon the perception that they were somehow in some way uh, responsible for the violence last week. 
mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're veteran politicians. They're smart guys. They know what they're doing. Um, it's likely the fact that they're going to be able to turn those negative perceptions uh, at least a little upward before their next election. Of course, uh, in the end, time will tell, as will the polls. Yeah. Is there any sense at all, uh, Daniel, I know there's been some other polls out there about divisions in this country. And of course, we know we're in a we're not in the United States of America. Unfortunately, we're in the divided states of America. Uh, I I just wonder about uh, there's been talk about how maybe we should become two countries. I know people are, you know, laugh at that and everything. But and, and that's not the majority opinion. But at the same time, it just seems like we're getting to a crisis point every single day about uh, where the direction of this country is headed. I think there's a lot of concern there. Yeah, you know, we have a poll up at Just the News today showing that while about 62% of Americans uh, do actually oppose any sort of national division, uh, a a shocking 25% of Americans are, excuse me, of voters are supportive of that measure in some way. So, you know, 25% is not a majority. Uh, It's not, uh, you know, it's a quarter of, uh, of, uh, of all voters. But it's still a surprisingly large number, and it does speak to the really profound divisions and, and unhappy feelings among so many Americans today. So going forward uh, in the Joe Biden era, it will be interesting to see if those numbers get worse, if they get better. Uh, really, you can't say, you know, uh, just a few weeks before Biden takes office, you'll only be able to tell uh, how that's turning after a while. Yeah, speaking of division, by the way, we had Jordan Seculo on earlier from the ACLJ who, who said that his, his sources are telling him 25 House GOP members may actually uh, vote along with Democrats on impeachment on Wednesday, which is a shock to me. It's, that's a shocking number, tw- 25 or so. Uh, w- what is your sense about uh, the consternation within the Republican Party right now on the Hill? Because it just seems like... Uh, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy and others have really got some work to do up there to keep that party together. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you're seeing partly uh, uh, people who are dissatisfied with the president and who believe that he bears responsibility for the riot that occurred last week. Likely that large number, as you said, it's a really shocking number if it's true, uh, also likely reflects uh, political pressure. Uh, there is immense pressure on politicians to not just appropriately condemn that violence that occurred last week, but to lay it at the feet of the president. So when you see those huge numbers lining up in the GOP or materializing, coalescing around impeachment and removal of some kind, um, you can you can be pretty sure that at least part of that is driven by the fact that that voices from every quarter are, are calling for those sorts of measures against the president. Whether or not those numbers will ultimately, ultimately be enough to carry through an impeachment or removal, uh, as again, remains to be seen in the weeks ahead. Yeah, Daniel, before we let you go, what, what are you working on? What should people, uh, if they go to justthenews.com, what are they going to see uh, next to your name or, or some other stuff on the site? You know, we're looking, uh, of course, we're looking into all this controversy surrounding Capitol Hill, but we haven't forgotten about the pandemic. We have some interesting stories coming out this week about the pandemic numbers in Florida and California, the two most populous states in the nation, um, and how they're handling their respective outbreaks. So you look at that, you're going to get some good data and good information. All right. Daniel Payne uh, there with justthenews.com. Daniel, always great to have you on. I appreciate it. Dave, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. All right. So that's Daniel Payne uh, with JustTheNews.com. A little later in the show, we're going to have Nick Balassi on from JustTheNews.com. Listen, we have a plethora of reporters, and I always like to use the word plethora. It sounds like I know what I'm talking about. And you know what? I do. I do know what I, I do know what I'm talking about. Uh, and speaking about knowing what I'm talking about, uh, let's be clear and let's set the scene of what's going to happen. You've got uh, it's Tuesday night. The House Democrats are going to take a vote. 
uh, to invoke the 25th Amendment and basically say, Mike Pence, you need to invoke the 25th Amendment. Uh, and that's not going to go anywhere because Mike Pence isn't going to do anything. And then Wednesday, the Democrats will have another vote knowing full well that Mike Pence is not going to invoke the 25th Amendment. They'll have a vote on Wednesday regarding impeachment. And as we reported at the, or I shouldn't say we reported at the top of the show, but as Jordan Sekulow uh, talked about at the top of the show, there could be up to 2025 House GOP members that vote with the Democrats to impeach the president on Wednesday. That's a major number and a major story. We're back in a moment. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, I'm David Brody, in case you haven't uh, noticed. Uh, <laughs> I sure haven't. Um, look, so let's put up this uh, headline from Just the News. Uh, dot com. It's about the 25th Amendment and what House Republicans are going to do, excuse me, not House Republicans, House Democrats are going to do tonight. They're going to vote tonight on a resolution calling for Mike Pence, the vice president, to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Donald J. Trump. Hey, not happening, FYI. No way. I, well, let me be clear. The resolution is going to pass. You can bet on that. But Mike Pence isn't going to do anything with the 25th Amendment. We're going to talk more about that with Nicholas Ballacy, a senior correspondent uh, with Just the News. Hey, Nick, always good to see you, sir. Great to see you, David. Well, uh, what, what do you got? What's the latest from the Hill on all this 25th Amendment uh, stuff? So the House Democrats, they were casually talking about how the 25th Amendment should be invoked, that Pence should do it. They were talking about that last week, and they were kind of just informally throwing it around, saying, if he doesn't do it, we'll move forward with impeachment articles of our own. Now we're seeing a formal resolution calling on Pence to do that, invoke the 25th Amendment. It's introduced by Congressman Raskin. And so it mentions the riot at the Capitol as the reasoning behind it and President Trump inciting the attendees to do what they did at the Capitol. That's what the resolution says. You can read the whole thing at justthenews.com. And so that's the most concrete action they're taking to date. But if Pence, like you said, doesn't act on the 25th Amendment, we can expect the House Democrats to push forward on the article of impeachment that they introduced yesterday and formally vote on it and get it passed over to the Senate. But the timing really doesn't line up here for House Democrats because Trump has eight days left in office and it's very unlikely, highly unlikely there'll be any sort of trial underway uh, if they did this move, the House Democrats. It's very unlikely a trial will be underway anytime before Trump has done his presidency uh, in the Senate. It's just not likely at this time. Right. And there was talk about Chuck Schumer trying to invoke some sort of emergency procedure to bring the Senate back into session, like immediately. Have you heard anything about that? The last I heard was McConnell telling his colleagues in the Senate that the earliest anything that could happen in terms of formal business would be January 19th in the Senate, which is a day before the inauguration. And then if assuming the House passes an impeachment resolution, uh, it wouldn't really, the earliest anything could get underway would be between the 19th and 20th. And then, of course, you got to go through the process of the trial. So 
Uh, it's a long shot here that anything will be done other than a symbolic act right. at I'm, this time coming from the Democrats. Right. And, and I should point out that my sources close to the vice president, uh, as I worked the phones this morning, uh, telling me that there's no way that the uh, vice president is going to invoke any sort of 25th Amendment. Not, th then again, you'd have to have, a, what is it, eight cabinet members actually to do it. Uh, but, but he's not going to even go, go there at all. So on this House impeachment vote tomorrow by the Democrats, I mean, is this a fait accompli? I mean, is this going to not only going to happen in terms of the vote happening, but they've got the votes to get this passed. They're going to impeach the president again, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, the House looks like they're going to move forward on that and it's probably going to pass. I mean, I don't see a reason why it wouldn't. There's a lot of opposition in the house to Trump and the Democrats control. So I think, you know, this is something that a lot of the progressives in the caucus have wanted to do for a long time uh, before they actually went and took the um, chance on the first impeachment. So I think this will definitely excite the base of the democratic party uh, heading into uh, Biden's presidency, but uh, his his whole agenda might really hit some roadblocks because even though they are running, going to be running the Senate, the Democrats they have such a slim majority, and it's going to be hard to get a lot of these uh, key pieces of legislation, big pieces of legislation, mm -hmm. Biden wants done to, to actually come to fruition. Well, it's interesting. So, yeah, it, it's a good transition to my next question about Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, who is in a very powerful position there with the slim majority that Democrats have in the House. And uh, what's your sense of what McCarthy could be up to here? He's tried to kind of distance himself a little bit from Trump and and also not totally throw him under the bus. This has been a it's been an interesting time for Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, he he has a lot of influence because the uh, Republicans were able to pick up some seats in the House uh, the, uh, in the last election. And I think McCarthy, you know, he's, he's got a, a great, uh, he's in a great position to influence uh, legislation, I think, in the House uh, because of the amount of momentum the Republicans had going into this session. But then again, we'll see what effect this whole ride at the Capitol is going to have in general on the uh, Republican brand, because a lot of them are in a tough spot. You know, obviously they're all denouncing what happened, mm -hmm. uh, the violence. But at the same time, you know, what what's the relationship going to be like with Trump uh, after all this is said and done and he's out of office? Because there's no doubt he's going to be influential Trump in the Republican Party. Will a lot of figures like McCarthy distance themselves further from Trump? We're just going to have to see. But in terms of legislation, McCarthy's in a, in a great position, I think, to influence uh, some of the bills that uh, we might see in this session uh, in the House. Yeah, and that's exactly what uh, Nathan Gonzalez was saying earlier in the show from Inside Elections, who was saying that uh, basically, you know, you have to kind of figure out what Trump's space is going to be in the Republican Party going forward. Hey, uh, before we leave, uh, less than a minute left, Nick, but tell us a little bit about a story you're working on regarding the CDC. Uh, and, and, I, and by the way, I know a lot of folks can go and get everything you're reporting at justthenews.com, but, but tell us about it. Yeah, so a story I'm following right now, and I've actually been following for months, is whether uh, international travelers coming into the United States uh, were being required to show a negative COVID test. Uh, this has happened in other countries. They have these requirements, a lot of smaller countries do. The U.S. didn't have such a requirement. I was trying to hammer down why this was the case. And if we had this requirement, maybe when it came to certain countries, international travelers, 
Never got a clear answer. The CDC was not giving me much information. And now I'm finding out from a Wall Street Journal report quoting sources of the CDC mm-hmm. that they are going to adopt that kind of requirement now for all international travelers to show a negative test. Why they weren't doing this months ago during the pandemic is a question they really need to answer. Well, Nick Ballacy on top of it, as always, on JustTheNews.com. Nick, always great to see you, sir. Appreciate it. Happy Tuesday. All right. Nick agrees with me. He said happy Tuesday. Trust me. I know he did. I mean, he didn't just blow me off. I'm like, happy Tuesday. And he, I mean, I, I know he said something. Anyhow, all right. Coming up uh, next, the last sip. We always love this part of the show because we kind of just get a little silly, but not when we come back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. Hey, uh, the president made some comments today before leaving for Texas, uh, where he talked about how he doesn't want to see violence. He said it again. He's been saying it again and again and again. The media just doesn't pay attention to any of that. But here's what he said about that and impeachment. Uh, as far as this is concerned, we want no violence, never violence. We want absolutely no violence. And on the impeachment, it's really a continuation of the greatest witch hunt in the history of politics. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. This impeachment is causing tremendous anger. And you're doing it, and it's really a terrible thing that they're doing. For Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to continue on this path, I think it's causing tremendous danger to our country, and it's causing tremendous anger. I want no violence. Thank you very much. He's exactly right. First of all, I want no violence, right? We, we all can agree with that. That's not what I want to talk about here on The Last Sip. Uh, but he's right. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats and Chuck Schumer, look, they're creating uh, something that doesn't need to be created. The, the violence that happened on January 6th, the thugs and, and all of those folks, they're despicable and it was horrible. Uh, and now you want to go ahead and uh, pile on, if you will, all of a sudden, you're going to try and impeach the president? For what? What's the point? I know the point. Okay, it's rhetorical. Hello. You don't want him to run for president again. You're hoping you can impeach him. And then you're hoping somehow, some way, you can convict him in the Senate, which isn't going to happen. But you hope. And then you hope that, therefore, he doesn't run again in 2024. That's the real reason. I get it. But look, you keep talking, you, Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, AOC, and the squad and all those folks, they keep talking about unity, and they keep doing things that promote disunity. It's, it's unbelievable. And the media, they are complicit in this as well, and they know it. They keep talking about negativity, negativity up the, uh, and I'm going to say these words, yin-yang. They talk about negativity up the yin-yang when it comes to Trump. Uh, and so all of this is like a cauldron. Does Trump, does Trump bear some responsibility for this? Absolutely. He was fanning the flames for years, let's be honest. And guess what? Some sickos, some crazies went ahead and acted on it. So absolutely he bears some responsibility for this. I'm not saying he doesn't. But let's also be clear, okay? You hear a lot in the media saying that Donald Trump called everybody to Washington, D.C. for a big march. No, he didn't. It was organized by Women for America first. He said he was going to show up and speak. This idea that he called people to march and then go to the Capitol and do it violently, he never said that either. He said, I want to march peacefully to the Capitol. I'm just trying to set the record straight. Back in a moment. 
I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back to the uh, Water Cooler, everybody. End of the show, uh, which is, uh, I don't know, it's really not exciting for me. So, Sophie Mann is here. It's, uh, here's why it's not exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I, A, I get to stop talking, and I don't like that. Okay. Okay, but number two, I enjoy doing the show. So those don't seem different. <laughs> no, they're really not, but I wanted to sound like oh, I had no, multiple okay, points. Okay, I see what you're saying. The show is ending, and you don't like to Correct. stop talking. Yeah, but thanks for dissecting my no, comments. No, I'm sorry. That was, that was my fault. Um, but it's, I gave you more of a chance to talk That's true. And during you know my segment. Well, I was about to say. So you're welcome. <laughs> I was about to say, it's not my segment. I have plenty of segments. Yes. This is your segment. Mm-hmm. So what do you have in this, in your segment? In Sophie? my segment. Um, well, we've got impeachment, which we know about, oh, uh, but just we're getting some react out of the Biden camp today. You know, I mean, the article singular was filed yesterday. Congress is moving ahead. This is really a Pelosi-led effort, though we know that um, incoming Senate minority leader, uh, majority leader, excuse me, Chuck Schumer is very much on board as well. But Joe Biden feels a little bit differently, reportedly. Hmm. So he is concerned, as you know, perhaps makes sense, that if impeachment is what is clogging up the systems of Congress during his first key days in office, you know, his, not only will his agenda, which he is so desperate to pass, including, you know, things that we're all worried about, the coronavirus pandemic, Mm -hmm. the ailing American economy, um, but then also cabinet picks. He needs to get those through the Senate. And he wonders how much time is Congress going to be able to spend on those um, matters if they are busy retroactively impeaching the president, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to remove a president who has already left office from office. And so in a sense, he's calling them out on this a little bit. He's saying symbolically, I hear you. This is my party. I understand where you're coming from. But like, let's look at this in a straightforward manner. Um, And I wonder if this won't be sort of the first Pelosi-Biden division. I'm not, you know, it's unclear how close the two of them are as lawmakers, but I think that this could be a real moment of um, fragmenting before sort of the ball even gets rolling in a a full Biden administration. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch what what Biden does, but it does seem like he, once again, it's just more examples of him just being the, the moderate or the center left guy that mm-hmm. he really is. Yeah. So. And then also on the center left, you have Joe Manchin, who's oh, saying right. that the Senate doesn't have the votes. The Senate won't vote to impeach Trump. So even if they get this through the House, which it looks as though they will, mm-hmm. the Senate will not be able to carry that torch all the way through. And, you know, why are we doing this at all? And Manchin also says, I'm not packing the courts yeah. either. Which is, he might be packing heat, by the way. <laughs> but he's not well, packing okay. the courts. Unconfirmed. Well, he's from West Virginia. Yeah, that's true. Where Trump know. is popular still, that's so right. he needs to toe the line. I think I just stereotype with West Virginia packing heat. But anyway, I gotta run. You gotta run. I gotta, I gotta jog. I'll see you later. <laughs> Good to see you. Bye. Uh, Jason Miller on the show tomorrow. Uh, Rick Green as well. We'll see you tomorrow.